I tell you who are not in a difficult position and who have no question marks about their quarterback after the weekend is the Texans because CJ Stroud very definitely is the man. Three touchdowns, no turnovers. He looked as composed as you're going to see a rookie playing his first postseason game. Well, at least until we saw Jordan Love on on Sunday night. Um, Brian Stroud did everything you could have wanted him to do and more. And, you know, that game finished as a, as a runaway train for for the Texans and they were resting their starters come the fourth quarter. But first first half of it, it was just back and forth. It was electric swing and haymakers and he just didn't blink. The Texans didn't blink. The first half, I think, caught a lot of people off guard in terms of what their expectation was for the game. It's, you know, going into, I think we kind of expected a kind of back and forth game in the sense of three and outs for a front half part because both defences would be on top. But to have it at 70 and 14 and 31 points in the first half was, was quite significant. And obviously then a late touchdown from the Texans to win with a, with a better score at halftime. Obviously, the, for me, the key was it's a runaway game. That particular drive, Colin was right to call it over, over the weekend. I think he touched on it last week. As, as when as Flacco does with some of the great throws, he also throws great interceptions. I mean, the the, the initial intercession, which was run back for the uh, pick six, the one that went for 70-odd years, that's an excusable play because at that stage, they're down by 10, they're driving. You know, there's an opportunity to even take a field goal there if he throws the lower bounds. And it's a seven-point game. Then it, it, it just swings completely into a 17-point game. And it only kind of gets worse there after with the second pick six. But that's not to take away from Stroud, who had an absolutely fantastic game. 16 to 21, 274, three touchdowns. And not even three touchdowns. Like there was other throws that he... And he knew it himself. In particular, the touchdown to Dalton Schultz, because on the previous drive, he missed Nico Collins by t- maybe two to three yards. And he put his arms as if, like, that's on me. I missed that one. I think he recognised... I really should have made that play. He left a couple of throws and touchdowns while in there in that game. I mean, it could have been so much worse for the Browns. For him to go in in his opening playoff game and play in that in that manner, it was just it's fantastic. And it just kind of solidifies what we all thought, which is he's the number two pick, but he really should have been the number one pick. And if it wasn't for meddling owners, the Panthers would have been, would have had him and as opposed to Bryce Young. But they love me. Divisional round. If they go to Baltimore this weekend, I think they have a real chance. And people will say, but they're the one seeds. They played them in week one. They only lost by a touchdown. Stroud played really well in his opening game. The Ravens couldn't manage it. Or large parts of that game. They will give them a real test this week. Column, a noble spirit in Biggins, the smallest man, as Jebediah Springfield once said. A noble quarterback in Biggins, the smallest team. Yeah, look, um, I mean, I, I think we could, I could wax lyrical about this Texans team. I, mea culpa, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong about the Will Anderson pick. Um, D'Amico Ryans wanted to change the culture. Anderson was absolutely fantastic. And the biggest thing about it, Connor, is that he, he does the dirty work. In the same way that the wide receivers, the likes of Nico Collins, they do the dirty work as well. And when Will Anderson, who is, um, you know, there, certainly on the defensive line is their standout player, when others see him doing that, the other thing that they did, again, they adjusted. Derek Stingley um, travelled with Amari Cooper. Derek Stingley had not played on the, the right side uh, cornerback more, uh, more than, he only played four plays, four plays over the course of the entire season. They came up with a game plan. They weren't letting Amari Cooper do what he did to them previously. That is what 
good defensive coordinators did. And, and they didn't move him, and he didn't get disheartened when he got burned early on either, which I which I love to see. That you know, again, you talked about it earlier in another context: trust and faith in your players. We know Derek Stingley is all pro level defensive back. He's an all pro level cornerback. Let him do his thing, and over the course of the game, um, he 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 played to his uh, played to his potential. Um, Colm, you, you set it up nicely there because um, you talked about being being wrong in your pick. So look, let's let's come to one of the biggest storylines over the weekend as far as the Irish NFL show was concerned. Mr. Perfect, the unsullied, the run, the streak finally came to an end, Brian. You were 13-0 in the playoffs last year. And not only did Joe Flacco and the Browns go down, unfortunately, that beautiful run went down too. Where did it all go wrong? Too much faith in Joe. Oh, and I thought the Browns would have it. Are we still discussing this game? I thought we were moving on to the Packers because the reason I put the banner up on that one was just to be clear, Everybody selected the Cowboys. Oh, we all went with the Cowboys. Yeah, we we'll get yeah. to that too. We we'll get to that shortly. Um, look, I thought the Browns would find a way to do it. I thought defensively they would figure CJ Stroud out or at least slow him down to give themselves enough enough time. Even even in the first half, towards halftime, we still felt comfortable with the Browns with navigating away in the second half. But as I said, that interception changed everything. The game was pretty much there for the taking thereafter in terms of the Texans pulling away. And look, the Browns have to be reflective of where they are as a team this season. They've made the playoffs. It goes to show again, Brian, before we move on to, to, to what the Browns do next. Like that old adage that defense wins championships is just not true. Offense wins championships. Defense keeps you in the game. But even a defense as good as Cleveland's can't function if you can't play complementary football. If you can't put up the points, can't move the ball, if you can't get in front, doesn't matter how good your defense is, eventually it's going to get tired and it's going to get broken down. Their tackling in the first half times was, was off compared to how the intensity, we're talking about the intensity of the Steelers team, when it's an AFC North team, the intensity of their tackling defensively over the course of the season is one of the reasons why they were up there in the top five. But Apart from Awusa Kamori was an absolute monster, though. He just like he just can't move fast enough to close the gap. He's practically playing running back for the for the Texans. He's in the backfield so often. Yeah, he had them behind the sticks on four plays in two, in two drives, but yet they continued to go with the same play. That's we're getting away from the, the point that Hamas the Texans continued to try. Hamas the Texans with with a singletary kept calling that particular play again, which is a crossover for the running back. And they were, I just couldn't understand why they continued to run the play when it was clearly evident they couldn't do it because that one particular player had sniffed it out every single time. But look, they won't be worrying about that. They'll be too busy game planning for next weekend. As for the Browns. Yeah, I think there's, there's, I'm not the only one out there that felt they would win the game. They've had a good season. The quarterback situation, I mean, to see Sean Watson on the sideline, and the, I think it was even noted, that Sean Watson decided to, to travel with them to this team. So the, the fact that they said that before the game, to me then, I realised, oh, he hasn't been travelling to every game with them, which again kind of strikes me, is, is he all bought into what the Browns are trying to do? All quarterbacks this year, I think, there's, unfortunately, they're tied into him. We, we saw the... The tweet on Saturday night, not only have they beaten them, but they're also going to take their first round pick again this year. I mean, the Texans are loving all this. But, you know, sometimes these trades co- come off the right way for certain teams. Look what happened with Denver. Teams just, you never know. You just never know when these trades happen. Colin, look, we, we've gone back and forth on this, so we're not really back and forth because I think we're all at it on this one. Like, we're still not really much clearer on whether the Sean Watson can actually take them to the to, to the next step. Like good and all as the season was and the feel good factor with Flacco coming in, actually in some ways it kinda of helped them that it was Hamlet without the Prince, but uh, the Prince is back next year and he's not looking too regal. No. Um I and I don't I don't think he can. Like oh, he's suddenly gonna turn around. The last time we saw we saw Deshaun Watson play uh, quarterback at uh, a, a decent level was what four the Ravens game was it 
Um, was good in the Ravens, the second half he, of the Ravens. He was, game. he was, yeah, in the, he was fine. But, but con- to play consistently at a decent level, it's four years at, at this point. Um, that's four years. Like, imagine you were saying to, to somebody else, um, listen, um, we we know that like you know it it, uh, it hasn't happened in in four years. The only way that it can happen, quarterbacks and and perhaps boxers, uh, you know that that somebody will take the chance and they'll give you a nice big purse because uh, a guy was a good fighter uh, some years back. But look, they're 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 landed with him. The issue for me, I suppose, for the Browns is the. Defense, it's so difficult to replicate that year in, year out, right? Even really good defenses, there's a drop-off. Now, for the question, I think, for the Browns is, is the drop-off from 1 to 4 or 1 to 14? Because if it's 1 to 14, which it can be, um, then that's the re- that's a real, real issue. Um, and the problem, I think, it is... And, and but again, I think, you're, you're back to that point, and Aaron Schatz is, is, is a great man for making this one, that... You work on your offense, you wait for your defense to be good enough and you hope the two of them come together in the same season because to your point, it's it's nearly impossible to replicate that elite defensive performance year in, year out. You have to stay in the band, absolutely, but and not drop off too much to your point, but it's the work on the other side of the ball that makes it all happen. But to me, Connor, as well, a lot there was a lot of talk and I think maybe things have changed now over um, <laughs> this season has maybe taught people things. But there was a lot of talk about, oh, if Deshaun Watson can be average or just league average and, and just good enough. But good enough, that's not it. Like, as it, you're talking about Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen is an absolute freak. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, absolute freak. Justin Herbert, if the if if the Chargers can get a, a decent head coach in there. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow is going to be back. CJ Stroud is sensational, right? That. That's just the, the top tier that you're dealing with. You've also got tre- tre- uh, the next year, Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, um, you know, looks like he's ready to take a step. And th- then on the other side, you have Jordan Love ascending, um, you, you, you know, um, and you have a, a couple of more QBs entering into uh, the league as well. Average, it, it's being good enough is not good enough. We, you need your QB to elevate you. Which brings us nicely, Brian, to the Green Bay Packers. If there's a quarterback that elevates a team, then his name is Jordan Love. Like at times, watching him throw off the back foot, watching him throw jump passes, watching him <laughs> sling balls through tight windows, one amazing throw between two defenders to Romeo Dubs. Jordan Love looked like Aaron Rodgers 2.0. He literally looks that good perfect pass rating in his first playoff game. Who does that? A guy that's, you know, gone, gone a different route to what we're used to saying or you have suggested and talked about over the course of the last three years, which is put your quarterback in immediately. The Packers, uh, I, I was just thinking back during the game last night, if, and I remember a couple of years ago when Rodgers was out injured. They, actually, it was maybe his call, but I can't recall, but they went into Kansas City and Jordan Love played, and he just was out, you know, he was like a, so it's the one where the family got the crap, crap seats, was it? Yeah, that's right. It's top-end seats in, in the top of the Arrowhead stage. And he was completely off-putting and people were going to go, he's a boss. And even earlier on in the season, I, I, I don't want to forget that some Packers fans were questioning whether he was the right guy. And all of a sudden, yeah, we very much know he's the right guy. And then what caught the Cowboys in particular by surprise last night was his agility and ability in around the pocket. So like we're talking about a Packers offensive line that's you know, second in the league. But it's also second in the league because they've got a quarterback that can move around, you know, 
It's not just about staying within the pocket and get out the perimeter. Um, I was, the Cowboys' defense last night didn't help themselves either. They were completely off kilter. They played man all season, and yet they went zone for large parts of the game. I mean, you can move from one particular plan over the course of the season, which has been a very effective plan to go on zone and kill him. Dan Quinn trying to show he's Bill Belichick to get his next job. Dan Quinn recognised last night there was four or five receivers in the backward. We're so used to teams with one marquee receiver and he's the key focus and they put the best player on him whether it's Bloud or whether it's Gilmore over the course of the season. The Packers right now, like going into the game their, last their season, top receiver this season, Jaden Reed didn't even have a reception at the weekend. They didn't need him. That was a point of scoring. I was going to say, right. one of their most effective receivers was Reed. But you see a point, Connor, like he didn't catch a ball he had, and he only had one ball going his direction that was in the third corner which was an incomplete pass and yet they didn't need him Wilkes, Dobbs they, they stepped up last night but again I don't know and we touched on another thing that was a reiki like Aaron Jones ran the ball down their throat last and we talked about over the course of the last month in particular how Miami on Christmas Eve ran the ball down the Dolphins throat the week prior to that the Bills ran the, the ball down their down their throat and the Lions ran their ball, ran the ball down their throat for an hour's part of that game, and they got out, got out of jail in that game. And early on in the season, the 49ers put a beat down, and they ran the ball down their throat. They can't deal with physical running teams, and that's essentially what the Cowboys did. Sorry, what the Packers did. Eight minutes on the opening drive, they couldn't manage to run, and they never, and they never, they were totally out of control in the entirety of the game. They never got a sense of control at any stage of the game. Colin, you know, and it even pushed me past, you know, my partisan hate of the backers, Packers as, as a Bears fan. Like, you can't but, but admire this team and everything that they've done. Um, I, I know you wanted to make a point, and we'll get to that in, in just a second, but one of the things that I loved watching last night was was Matt LaFleur. Like, we, we talked about how this was a season for him to prove himself and, you know, decouple from the Aaron Rodgers trailer, trailer which has kind of become the the rock of shame to be dragged around in the past couple of years. Like we talked about how the whole franchise seemed to feel like it, it, it you know, there was almost a sigh of relief when that situation was finally resolved. And Michael Fleur is really feeling himself. Like you watch these beautiful plays like Luke Musgrave just leaking across the field and then appearing in an acre of space down the sideline. And of course, Jordan Love finds him, you know, it, it's, but it's not just that Love is making the throws. It's that these receivers, and this was always Lafleur's great talent. He just schemes them open out of nothing. Yeah, uh, but Connor, you don't have to go all that far back, and and you can go as far back as you want on the Lafleur Rogers piece. Rogers used to come out, and, and Lafleur kind of used to say, and he he would try and hide it, but true credit, he he did like talk about Rogers change at the play call, and Rogers deciding to do well, what Rogers uh, wanted to do. As a mutual Packers uh, following friend of ours, Paul Bradley, was saying to me over the weekend, isn't it interesting to see what the Lafleur offense looks like when the quarterback actually executes the play call? Yeah, and I suppose I could have talked about the, the with the Texans, you're getting to see what the Shanahan offense looks like with a blue chip quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and this is it a little bit, though a little bit removed because Lafleur, but the interesting thing is Lafleur and Dan Quinn um, were both uh, t- together because Lafleur was in uh, Atlanta with Kyle Shannon, obviously, and with Dan Quinn at the at the time. Um, so he maybe knew his his tendencies a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, the Lafleur and the organization deserve enormous credit for the way in which they brought uh, um, the the team on. But why didn't they do this two two three years ago? Like, is this not further proof? Uh, a lot they, they did get two MVP seasons out of Rogers by drafting Love. To be fair, 
they, like, they did. Brian Goodkus is the real winner from all this. He was right all along. Indeed, but they could have. They they could have by by the looks of things that you could if if uh, Jordan Love had been playing over the past two seasons, we could be talking about him having MVP season because Jordan Love has looked infinitely better in, in almost in each game. You can see the growth by game by game by game because it wasn't that it was bad at the start. It was just like oh he's really raw and he doesn't understand. It was like what you know watching. I suppose um, him him get used to the pace of the game and everything going on around him, and it is that piece. Um, and Peyton Manning has talked about it, like so. There's so much happening. It takes time for it to slow down, and it takes time for you to realize um, that you know there's all you er, things that worked in college don't work, and it's time to get used to the the windows and things like that. That's um, I I just think that this Packers team. They took their licks this year in terms of the dead cap. They have a whole host of dead cap space. Uh, they have another second round pick coming to them, uh, courtesy of Aaron Rodgers. Um, no matter what happens after this, they have had a, a fantastic season. And um, they, I, I think, cre- yeah, credit to to Mark Murphy and Goodenhurst and to Lafleur on uh, you know what could have been a really difficult, difficult season. Yeah, 25 years, 214 days, the average age of Packers players in that game. Youngest team and ever to take to the field in the playoffs. And this is a quick point. Over the course of the last series, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, but the 49ers beat Packers twice in those playoffs when the Packers were expected to go in and win those games. And not necessarily the one the championship game in San Fran, but certainly the one in the division. Yeah, in particular, yeah. And just sometimes these things have a funny way of balancing themselves out because... 49ers are far above the best team in the NFC right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll come out on top on Saturday night. Sometimes the momentum factor says the cousin. This, this is not the matchup they wanted. Like they wanted the Cowboys. They have the Cowboys number. That, that's plain and clear. And we saw from the Cowboys over the weekend, they would not have been capable of going to Santa Clara of anything. This might have spared them an even more embarrassing beatdown, uh, ironically. But Packers, to your point, that's, you know, it, you got those funny sort of 2010 Packers vibes when, when, when Aaron Rodgers came of age or even 2007 Giants, dare I say it. Like there's that, you know, funny vibe when a team has to win and in. They play that effective playoff game a week early and then they go and win their playoff game on the road. That has a galvanizing effect and who knows where, where that'll go. We could be talking very differently. Anyway, wonderful thing for us is that that is the Saturday night game um, next weekend, which is great for fans on, on this side of the Atlantic and we, 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 we will really relish that one. That brings us to the end of our second segment of Talking Points. Um, 